Looking for new threads? Well, we've got you covered at the Music Is Live podcast official merch store over at tpublic.com. Whether it's t-shirts, baseball tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, or onesies for your infant rockers and metalheads, you can find everything you're looking for over at the Music Is Live podcast merch store at tpublic. Go to my link tree at l-i-n-k-a-t-r dot e-e forward slash Music Is Live podcast and get your merch today. Buy my stuff and thanks for your support. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. You're listening to the Music Is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Music Is Life podcast. This is your host, Lou Mabs, and I'm back after a very long absence. I haven't done a podcast all summer. And I'm very sorry about that, but uh, <laughs> it's been very busy uh, between taking my wife and daughter to Myrtle Beach for vacation. Hard Drive has been doing shows consistently, practically on a weekly basis. Work's been very busy, and bills are piling up. So, <laughs> you know, adulting, as they say. But anyways... It's right now 10 to 1 on a Friday morning. I just finished driving Uber, and I figured, well, you know, let me just get some of this stuff out of my head and uh, onto, onto tape and talk about what's been going on with my life and music. So if you hear me take uh, breaks for sips of water, forgive me. It's just been a long, long day. But I'm happy to be back doing the podcast hoping to do it on a weekly basis as I have been. So figured out that for this episode I would just talk about some of the things that I've been that 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 I've been experiencing within the realms of music, such as any books that I've read, any concerts that I've seen, any news that I've been hearing. So this is just basically gonna be an opinion piece. Um what is it would I call it an opinion piece? Oh, maybe just a personal piece. But anyways, so let's see. What's the... What can I talk about first? Well, I read an incredible book over the summer called Fast Ride Out of Here. A Fast Ride Out of Here, I believe. I forgot the A in the beginning. Written by Pete Way of UFO, the founding member, original bassist, and songwriter who has also who had also found fame with Wasted in the mid to early to mid to late 80s also a uh an original member of Fastway with Fast Eddie Clark of Motorhead uh if you read his book he explains why he never got to write or record with Fastway um the short story is that 
he was still under contract to Chrysalis Records to issue one more album with them, even if he wasn't a member of UFO. And at the time, Fastway had signed with CBS Sony, which was also Ozzy's label at the time. So because he couldn't get out of the contract with Chrysalis and because he couldn't get into the contract with CBS Sony, he form-wasted with Finn Moore of, from Scotland and recorded and released the Vices album. And this was actually right after he was on tour with Ozzy. Now, I did not know that Pete Way was a member of Ozzy's band at one point. In fact, he was the in-between bassist between uh, Rudy Sarzo, who quit and went back to Quiet Riot after Randy Rhodes had died, and before Bob Daisley was asked back to write, yes, write the Bark of the Moon album and tour behind that. So I say that because if you look at the credits of the Bark of the Moon album, it's all credited to Ozzy. And uh, Jakey Lee actually said that him and Bob Daisley were contractually obligated after the album was recorded to give their rights to Ozzy as the sole songwriter on the album. Otherwise, their parts would be re-recorded. You know, I could go into a whole anti-Sharon Osbourne tirade, but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who dislike Sharon more than like her. So maybe I'll throw that at a future episode. Or maybe I just won't talk about it at all because no matter what I say, it's not going to sway your opinion on Sharon Osbourne. So I might as well just leave well enough, well enough alone. But regardless, P-Way was the go-between bassist in Ozzy Osbourne between Rand, uh, Rudy Sarzo and Bob Daisley. And when he met up with Fast Eddie Clark, Fastway, couldn't do Fastway, contractually obligated to Chrysalis, so he formed Wasted. And with that, he was back on the road with Ozzy, <laughs> of all bands, on the Bark of the Moon tour. If anyone got to see it, it was Wasted as the opening act. Then Motley Crue who at the time was on tour for Shot of the Devil, which many say is still the best thing that they've ever done. I'd be uh, hard-pressed not to agree, although I was a fan of the 94 album with John Karabi, which Nikki Six has officially disowned that album. But, uh, you know, I can't trust the opinion of a man who wrote an entire diary while on heroin. Sorry, Nikki, I don't buy it. Anyway, because I'm sure there's much other things, many other things that you'd rather rather do while high on heroin rather than write a diary. But anyways, though, so back to P-Way's book. Um, a great book about his upbringing in the UK, how he met Phil Moog, how Phil Mog, sorry. Moog is a type of keyboard slash foot pedal that... Getty Lee made famous with Rush. Phil Mogg is the singer of UFO. So Phil Mogg, P-Way, Mick Bolton, Andy Parker, the original lineup of UFO, doing sort of like a psychedelic rock type thing, space rock as they called it, went nowhere, but they were very popular in Germany, so they took a band out on tour called the Scorpions, who were a German band with a young prodigal guitar player by the name of Michael Schenker, 
who is one of my heroes when it comes to the guitar. He's the reason why I wanted to get a Flying V in the first place, which I don't have, but one day I will. So anyway, back to the story of uh, P-Way. So they talk about how Mick Bolton, he couldn't get into Germany. So they asked Michael Schenker if he would learn the songs and play with them. Mind you, at the time, Michael Schenker barely knew any English, but he still did the tour with them. Quit Scorpions to join UFO. Five great albums. My favorite of those being Lights Out, which was the album that got me into UFO. But the one that made me a fan was their live album, Strangers in the Night. I suggest everybody check that album out. Great album. And um, then Shaker quit because he felt that he did not want to continue on the wave of popularity that they were uh, getting. Um, he did not want to be a rock star. He wanted to be a musician. So he quit, went his way, did Michael Shaker group. P-Way stayed with UFO for one, two, three albums, then quit. Made his way into Ozzy, then Wasted. Again, bypassing Fastway. And uh, my God, I had no idea UFO were the drug band that they were. Like, we're talking Rick James cocaine is a hell of a drug level. I had no idea. I always thought they were a hard drinking band because, you know, Shanker himself had his own problems with alcohol, which um, he used to admit it religiously back in the day, but not so much anymore. Now he talks about his formative years, his middle years, and his future. That's how he refers to everything. And you know what? He's Michael Shanker. He's completely entitled to do whatever he wants. He earned the right to be who he is. And God bless him for it. We're all grateful for it. You know, uh, he's out on tour right now with uh, Michael Shanker Fest. I suggest people go check that out. I'd really want to check it out. Um, it's just a matter of uh, timing. Haven't been able to really go to many shows. Except one, which I'll talk about later. Um, and... Back to P-Way, though, um, basically it talks about his six marriages, four of them which ended in divorce, two of them which ended in deaths. No, he did not kill them. <laughs> so please don't get that idea in your head. Um, and unfortunately, it kind of also gets into his exit from UFO. And his uh, his battle with prostate cancer, which thankfully he beat. And what he's doing right now. So he's still writing music. He's still performing with the P-Way band, which I think actually includes former members of UFO. Um, one of them being Lawrence Archer, who was a guitar player on High Stakes and Dangerous Men, which was the album they released before Shanker returned to UFO in uh, 93, uh, which I can't find anywhere. I can't find that album anywhere. And uh, I actually heard it was a very good album. But, you know, that's the problem with independent labels is that sometimes the independent label goes, you know, chapter 11 and folds. What happens is the masters gets lost. It becomes a whole issue litigation. And then you can't even release the album anymore because, uh, you know, at the time, 
when artists signed with independent labels, um, the independent labels owned the rights to all the songs. Right now, Victory Records, a famous hardcore label out of Chicago, that has had many lawsuits from many other artists for that reason, um, they just... <laughs> Tony Victory just sold his label to a major label and pocketed all the money from it. And my boy Tyler, who was in Dr. Acula, formerly of uh, Your Day Strong and My Better End, um, that poor bastard's never received one freaking royalty. So congratulations, Tony Hardcore. You're not Tony Hardcore, I'm sorry. Tony Victory, you're still screwing over people that were once signed to your label. Hope you go to... Uh, have a nice life. Bless your heart. Take that for whatever you want. But anyways, back to the UFO story. That's what happens when you sign with an independent label. They own their rights. And then that happens. So, you know, that album is probably never going to get re-released. So if you do get a copy of it, it's probably an original pressing secondhand, which you'll probably pay like $90 for or something like that on Discogs or Amazon if you're lucky. But my opinion on the book, it was a great read. It was a great uh, dive into what it was like to be a musician in the 70s and 80s. A um, lot of excess, even when the bands couldn't afford it because the labels had the idea, just keep them on the road, keep getting money in and keep buying them stuff so that way they owe us more money and then they have to go on the road again. You know, the vicious cycle of album, tour, cycle, album, tour, cycle, album, tour, cycle that plagued every band from the 70s, from Kiss to God knows what, Black Sabbath even. But it was, like I said, it was a great read. Pete Way did a great book. You could tell that it was practically his words. A lot of uh, Cockney, um, uh, how would I explain it? Uh, not altruisms. I don't want to say the wrong word and try to sound intelligent because that'll just make me sound really stupid. But regardless, you can tell P-Way wrote it and I appreciated the honesty that he put in his book. Um, I suggest everybody go check it out. Once again, the book is called Fast Ride Out of Here. That's actually uh, a line from the song Shoot Shoot. And... Uh, yeah, thank you, Pete Way, for writing a great book. Uh, I'm sure you're probably not going to listen to this podcast, but, um, you know, your influence in music has definitely been grand. Um, everyone from Steve Harris of Iron Maiden to Nikki Six of Molly Crew has cited you as an influence, and it shows you're an incredible songwriter, a great talent, a great stage performer. Wish you all the best in good health. And, uh, you know, I hope that you get to the point of success that you did with UFO on your own. You know, that would be great, even though in today's musical climate, it's really hard to survive on just music alone unless you're investing your money and, you know, you're just budgeting it and being careful with it, you know. Uh, right now he's attempting to do this, you know, his solo project in a, in, in a day where a lot of musicians who release music and even go out and perform, 
they have to work day jobs or something to supplement their income. Um, otherwise, you know, how do you pay your bills? How do you pay your rent? How do you pay your mortgage? You know, but keep on putting quality stuff out there. Cheers to you, Pete Way. Anyway, <clears throat> sorry, I had to take a water break. So that's uh, my book read for the summer. Uh, what other news that I hear that's been going on? Oh, yeah. So David Lee Roth officially stated that Van Halen is finished. <sighs> There's only one thing that I have to say about that, and I'll leave it to Dolomite to say it. Bitch, are you for real? How can it even be possible that Van Halen is over when I still have yet to see them in concert? Any chance I've had to go see them, there's always been something wrong. I was supposed to go see them on St. Patrick's Day in 2008, and Eddie went back to rehab. They rescheduled the date for May 23rd, 2008. I couldn't go because that was the day of my rehearsal dinner, and the next day I was getting married. 2012, when they came back to the garden for a two-night stand, tickets were so expensive, I was like, oh, I cannot afford this. Then when they came back in 2015, I was in Greece. I have to come to terms with the fact that I will never see Eddie Van Halen in concert. Oh, well, that's okay. I'll live. I'll move on. So if any of you out there love me for my birthday, if anyone could send me and my wife to Vegas to go see David Lee Roth perform the best of Van Halen, I'd greatly appreciate it. You could even combine it as a birthday Christmas gift. <laughs> but you know what, though? Truth is, Van Halen doesn't owe anyone anything. You know, seven incredible albums with David Lee Roth. And the, for the Van Hagar fans, you have your four and your precious double live album that wasn't really live. Who said that? Anyway, um... So, you know, they, they, they gave us seven incredible albums of great music. That's really all they owe us. They don't really owe us anything anymore. You know, uh, to me, there's nothing better than, you know, being in your car, driving down the highway, playing the original six-pack of Van Halen. You know, the first two albums, one and two. Women and Children First, Fair Warning, Diver Down, and uh, 1984. You know, that's... Those are the six albums you need for the summer. And, you know, thank you, Van Halen, for the memories of great music. Uh, we're all better for it for the last 41 years. But uh, I, I still subscribe to David Lee Roth's podcast. I do enjoy listening to it. Um, Dave is still out of his mind, and it's great. So uh, I recommend people check out his podcast. Also, another podcast I've been listening to is this one called Talking Maiden, which it, 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 uh, it involves two gentlemen from Newfoundland in Canada by the names of Josh and Nesbitt, who talk about all things Iron Maiden, including offshoots of Iron Maiden, such as uh, solo projects, um, other bands that they've been in, uh, their B-sides, their tours, 
They talk about their albums from start to finish and analyze it. And, you know, they uh, they do a great job talking Iron Maiden. And I really do appreciate these two gentlemen and their penchant for craft beer. Um, so I recommend anyone who out there who's an Iron Maiden fan and wants to hear about, you know, hear from the perspective of two fans which is the great thing about podcasts is when fans get to talk about their opinions because it's like they're talking to other fans. You know, it's not someone from a uh, a major radio station or a major publication talking about, um, you know, what they think is right. It's just fans offering their opinion. And I appreciate that as a fan myself. I love Iron Maiden. I love this podcast, Talking Maiden. I recommend people out there check it out. Uh, what's another good one? Well, if you're into another Van Halen podcast, I would also suggest uh, listening to Dave and Dave Unchained. That's a really good one. Um, I, I'm going to talk about all the podcasts at the end. I'm going to leave a plug for them. But yeah, check out uh, Talking Maiden, Dave and Dave Unchained. And uh, yeah, even check out David Lee Ross podcast. Great stuff. Let's see what else. Uh I know I mentioned Michael Schenker before. I'll mention him again. This uh, war of words be, uh, be, uh, towards Rudolph, it does not look like it's going to end anytime soon. Um, Michael has, has no love for his brother Rudolph. I personally have no love for Rudolph because I thought he was a jerk to me when I met him at Jones Beach in 1999 on their tour with Molly Crew, it was Scorpions and Molly Crew, and some band called Flash Bastard. I, they were gone as fast as they came. So I don't. I I'll just mention the name, but that's all I'll mention about them. Um, that was the first time I saw Scorpions live at Jones Beach. I thought they were great. Um, you could definitely tell mentally they were still stuck in the 80s, and it seems like a lot of us fans were too. You know, it was a cool little time warp uh, seeing them in concert. I mean, I love their stuff, but I'll be honest with you. Um, a lot of people are, are are fans of the Scorpions when it came to their 80s albums. So everything from like, we'll say around Blackout, because Blackout's when they really uh, started to, you know, take over the States. So you have uh, Blackout, Love at First Sting, Savage Amusement. Like, with Savage Amusement, they were actually touring stadiums with Van Halen in 88. And uh, the peak of their career was uh, Crazy World with uh, Wind of Change in 1990. Which is sort of around the time where the mainstream started veering away from 80s hard rock and metal and towards what was considered alternative, which became, you know, grunge and pop punk. So, you know, sort of left the Scorpions in a position where they, you know, weren't as popular as they were in the 80s. Though I'm happy for them that they've got a resurgence uh, lately. And I'm, very, and I'm very happy that they got Mickey D from Motorhead to be their permanent drummer. No disrespect to James Kotak. He was actually very nice when I met him. And I'm glad to see that he's sober and he's out touring again. He's actually back in uh, Kingdom Come. He reformed them. Not that I was really a fan of Kingdom Come, but I'm happy to see that he's out playing shows again and doing something with his talent. 
But, uh, yeah, back to Rudolph. Uh, guy was a total jerk to me. Um, you know, because I wasn't... I don't know. I, I, I think that maybe it was because I wasn't anyone important. I was just a college radio DJ. So I offered no benefit to him. Which I'm just like, all right. I didn't realize I had to be to offer some kind of benefit to you for you to be nice to me when I was trying to be nice to you in the first place. So whatever, screw you, Rudolph. You're, you know, you're uh, not as good as your brother, Michael. <laughs> you never were. Um, but the but the war of words between, uh, well, towards Rudolph and Michael all pertains to, from what I gathered, uh, back to the album Love Drive, where apparently that's Michael on most of the songs. And he even co-wrote most of the songs. And he stated that he was never credited for it. He was never thanked for it. I mean, he feels as though he opened up the floodgates for the Scorpions in America because of Love Drive. And in the recent uh, remaster of it, he has been completely taken out. And all credit has been given to Matthias. Oh, that's right. Before I veer off, just wanted to say, my favorite era of Scorpions was with Uli John Roth in the 70s. As much as I love Michael Shanker, especially with UFO and with MSG, I definitely felt that the Scorpions were best with Uli John Roth. My favorite album from them is still... And always will be the album in trance. I suggest if you want to check out Scorpions, check out that album as well. If you're going to check out Blackout and Love at First Sting. So there, there you go. But another good one is Taken by Force because that one's got Sales of Sharon on it. That's a sick song. So anyway, so Michael claims that Rudolph uh, never gave him credit for it. Um... And, you know, he claims to have never received anything for it, even regardless of, 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 like, royalties or anything like that. He never received any gratitude, which that's a real crying shame. Um, in fact, Rudolph even asked um, Michael if he could borrow the design of his flying V, the black and white one. So Michael Shanker had a black and white V where it's like one wing was white, the other wing was black, and on the white side of the body was a black pick guard, and on the on the on the uh blacks wait a minute, let me rephrase that. White side of the body, black pick guard, black side of the body, white pick guard. So that was his model. Rudolph just said he wanted a black and white V, no pick guard. But come on, you, you can't tell me that you associate the black and white V with Rudolph before Michael. I mean, Michael made the black and white V look awesome. Rudolph just made it look cheesy. I said it. I don't care if I get hate for it. It's my opinion, but it's a fact. Michael started the black and white V. Rudolph took it. And I'll leave it at that. So, you know, 
they did a tour in uh, Europe and Asia. Michael quit. Rudolph begged them back. Michael said, no, I don't want to play these songs anymore. I don't want to play your music. I want to do my own thing. So they got Matthias to take over, which he was supposed to be originally the lead guitarist for the Scorpions before Love Drive, after Uli quit. But when Michael had quit uh, UFO, Rudolph said, quick, let's get Michael back. At the time, Michael should have done nothing musically. He should have just gotten sober and gone on to MSG the way he did. Um, and by MSG, I don't mean Madison Square Garden. I mean Michael Schenker Group. Um, great four albums, uh, which were MSG. Well, I'm sorry. Michael Schenker Group was the first one. Then MSG. Then Assault Attack, which is considered his best with MSG, and that's got Graham Bonnet of Rainbow and Alcatraz on vocals, and Built to Destroy. Um, Built to Destroy, you could tell he was maybe going a little bit commercial, but it was still a great album. Uh, three best songs on that, I would say, are Rock My Nights Away, Captain Nemo, and Rock Will Never Die, or Walk the Stage, as it's known in other countries. And the voice is going. Hold on, sip of water. Thank you. Anyway. So back to this Rudolph Michael thing. So. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> I just don't think they're ever going to get along. Um, Michael feels slighted by Rudolph. And. I'm just going to say this. I had two brothers growing up. One unfortunately passed away four years ago. I miss him every day. And if there's one thing brothers do other than love each other, it's a lot of times we want to kill each other. <laughs> Sometimes we want to beat the living crap out of each other because of stupid things that the other does. But you realize your reasons for doing that is because you genuinely love them. And when they hurt you, it kills. It really does. Um... I lament the fact that I will never be able to tell my older brother, Mikey, who was my reason for picking up guitar in the first place, that I love him. I'll never be able to tell him that again, which sucks. Um, I wish he was here so he could see my daughter. I wish he was here so he could see his daughter. Um, but I'm glad that when we had our last conversation. The last thing I did get to tell him was, I love you. And he said, I love you too. And uh, Mikey and I had so many great memories growing up and also times where we beat the crap out of each other. But that's what brothers do. And the best thing about being brothers is if he saw that I was in trouble or if I saw that he was in trouble, we would have been there for each other. And to me, that's what being a brother is. You love him, you hate him, you fight with him, but you also fight for him. That's what being a brother is. And I'm very grateful that I still have my eldest brother, Tony, in my life. Um, so again, I'm sure Michael Shanker or Rudolph would never listen to this. But... If I had one thing to say to them, it's do right by your brother.
be the better person even if it hurts. Okay, there's just some things that may matter to one person that don't matter to another. And that's okay because we're all different people. We all have a different moral compass. We all have our own things that make us tick in this world. But we could still be cool with each other while respecting our differences of what we want to achieve in this world and how we want to achieve it. We don't have to hurt other people to get what we want in life. You know, so I pray that the Schenker brothers work out their differences and fix whatever needs to be fixed before it's too late. So that's all I got to say about that. Moving on. Um, let's see. I did see an awesome concert last night. I saw the band Ginger from the Ukraine who are currently signed to Napalm Records. They played at the Gramercy Theater. Now, last concert I went to before that was a year prior. I went to go see uh, Judas Priest and Deep Purple at Jones Beach. Priests were amazing. Purple, eh, not so much. I'll talk about that another day. So since my daughter's been born, I really haven't been to many concerts. But uh, Ginger was playing at the Gramercy. My buddy Matt from college um, said that, you know, he wanted to go and asked me if I would go with him. Wife said it was cool, have the night off. We went and had a great time. And uh, Ginger was amazing. And it was nice to see that even though you had a, ha a couple of fans with cell phones filming stuff, the majority didn't. They got caught in the moment, which was great. I think that anyone who goes to a concert, just get stuck in the moment. Just be there. Enjoy the music. Because I have this feeling that Ginger's going to blow up. You know, they played Gramercy Theater last night, which houses about maybe 500 people max. I'm sure their next headline tour, they'll probably play a venue which is 2,000. They'll work their way up into bigger places. So this may have been the only time that you could have seen them in a venue like this size before they blow up. So good on their fans for just being there and enjoying the music and not having to rely on technology to film it. You know, they were just there to sing, scream, mosh, whatever, just have a good time. And that was great. Afterwards, we went to Duff's in Brooklyn for a beer. Uh, they actually have Iron Maiden Trooper beer, which is awesome. And uh, Duff's actually changed uh, locations. The last time I was there was uh, 12 years ago. And there was an outdoor area to it. Great bar. It moved to a bigger place near the uh, Marcy, uh, Mercy Projects in Brooklyn. Right under the uh, Williamsburg Bridge. But it was a cool venue. You know, you, uh, not a venue. I'm sorry. It was a cool bar. Uh, you could tell it was definitely after hours because they closed at 4 a.m. Open at 6. And uh, great, great memorabilia in there. I mean, they had guitars from Pete Steele. And uh, Tom Warrior of uh, Celtic Frost there. Um, the screen, the stuff that they show on their screens was pretty crazy. When we were there, they were showing a Kung Fu film. On our way out, they were showing a latex porno film. <laughs> hide your wife, hide your kids. That's all I'm going to say. But... Um, yeah, that made me feel kind of dirty. But <laughs> still, 
great bar, nice people there. Uh, just don't watch the porno when you're in there. That's all I can say about that. But yes, thank you, Duffs, for giving us a great time after the concert. And thank you, Ginger, for putting on a great performance. I also got to catch some of the opening act, the Browning. Uh, they were very good. Um, I missed the opening act, which was uh, Sumo Psycho from Canada. But I will check out their music. Uh, let's see, what else? Let's see, I talked about the book. I talked about news. talked about uh, the concert. Uh, let's see, is there any new stuff that I've been listening to? Well, the new Ginger album hasn't come out yet, but uh, looking forward to that. So far, I love what uh, After the Burial and Periphery came out with this year. Uh, check those bands out. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. Well, like I said, Hard Drive has been very, very busy lately. We've been playing all around Long Island, Nassau, and Suffolk. Um, we're looking to hopefully do more shows in uh, Nassau in the coming year. Uh, right now, our schedule is booked for the rest of the year. So if you want to check us out, check us out at harddriveband.com. Oh, I remember one thing I wanted to mention. Invader Zim has a uh, movie on Netflix. As you can tell, I played the uh, Zim theme song at the beginning from the uh, original animated series. So check out Invader Zim, uh, Enter the Florbus. It's everything you remember about Invader Zim and loved and more. So check that out. See what else. Uh, anything I wanted to mention about Hard Drive. Yeah, just check us out at harddriveband.com. Find out where we're playing next. Uh, we learned some new music, which went over great at the last couple of shows that we did. I uh, won't tell you what, because I want you to come to the shows and see see it for yourself. We give you three hours of music at no charge. So, you know, I think that's good enough reason to come to any of them. Um, But yeah, I guess that's it. All right. Well, I'm going to go hit the sack because I got work in the morning. But... Uh, Thanks for everybody for listening in. So check out the following friends podcast. Check out Chris and Aaron over at Decibel Geek. Check out Ralph and Ian over at Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Check out Shaheen at Dirt Sheet Dudes. Check out Jacob Morris over at Yakuza Kick Radio. Um, check out my buddy Wayne and the Rat Salad Review. And once again, as I mentioned before, check out Talking Maiden. Check out... Dave and Dave Unchained, and I guess that's it in terms of podcasts. Uh, once again, harddriveband.com, and let's see where we're playing. Well, we'll be playing Turning Point in Farmingdale on Friday, October 4th, and on October 5th, we'll be playing at Rocky Point Ale House. We will be joined on stage by Rachel Jarvis, also singing some songs with us, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, anyway, so I'm hoping to release more episodes uh, very shortly. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Like and subscribe on uh, on I iTunes, anywhere where you get your uh, where you get your podcast from. And uh, I'd like to ask people if you could please just 
you know, leave a review on iTunes or anywhere. Uh, I do appreciate it. Thank you in advance. And that's all I got to say. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Music Aside podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm and Ratsad Review. Check out the other shows on Ratsad Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man Metals Musings, The Right Opinion, The Vieira Vault, the Timo Toki Podcast, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, and the Friday Night Party with the great Harry Barnett and Evie. Graphics by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find them on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leyuk, and Lou Mavs. If you'd like to donate to the channel, please donate to our PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in a band and you want us to review your music, then contact us at Mavs at musicislivepodcast.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle. With much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, check out www.musicislivepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out www.ratsareview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>